Hey, Mark. Yes, Dennis. Would you get medical advice by watching one of those god-awful doctor TV shows? You mean I shouldn't be? No, you probably shouldn't. Then no? No. And you probably shouldn't get your legal advice from a podcast either. Never. Never. Hostile work environment. Exactly. Hey, an appropriate workplace topic. Hostile work environment. Shut up. The Human Resources Director, Little Miss Hostel Work Environment. So, Mark, what's going on? Oh, it's a busy weekend. Yeah? What do you got going on? Well, it's, um, as we record this, it'll air later, but as we record this, it's Purim this weekend. Oh, yeah? Do you have Purim plans? Well, the the kids are out at school this morning, and uh, we'll be dressing up and marching in the Purim parade. Did you did you celebrate Purim in your quasi Jewish growing up in Oregon? It was not a huge holiday for us. I have celebrated Purim. So Purim is like like you know it, I I hate to make the comparison this way, but it's kind of like the Jewish Halloween holiday. Yeah, you dress you, up and you you dress up and you don't really trick or treat, but you go on a parade and you you eat humintaschen. Yes, right. And humintaschen are uh, three cornered. Uh, cookies filled with jam or jelly. And uh, do you know what they represent? Yes, they are the three-cornered hat that Haman in that the Purim story, that awful man, yes. Haman, um, uh, wore. And so we, it, it, to commemorate the awful things he did to us, we eat his we hat. Eat his hat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Filled with jelly. Filled with jelly. They're pretty tasty. They're they're kind of delicious. Yeah. Um, what about you? What do you have going on this weekend? A lot of yard work. A lot of yard work? Yeah, a lot of yard work. It is um, finally spring here. It's not raining, which is rare in Oregon in March. Yeah. So I'm taking advantage of that to clean up the yard. Good deal. Yeah. Yeah, and we've got, uh, uh, again, we've got uh, soccer starting up again. Major League Soccer, which for me is kind of my sport of choice these days. Yeah. And uh, we'll be going to watch the first Timbers, Portland Timbers match tonight. So it's a... It's a busy weekend, and yeah. I went curling yesterday. Oh my god! Yeah, we I we had some friends did that outside of like Winnipeg. Yeah, like it's a huge thing, and now that the Olympics are over, we I mean this was booked for us months ago, but now that the Olympics are over, they were telling us yesterday that they're booked through the end of the year. What for lessons? What? Like you cannot go and get a curling lesson between now and the end of the year. And let me tell you, it was awesome. Yeah. I did it once 10 years ago, and I was underwhelmed by it. This was like on a real curling sheet at a real curling club. A, a it, curling what? Sheet, like the sheet of ice. It's not a rink? Or... No, that's hockey. Okay. Yeah, the first time I did it was on a hockey rink. Is and there it... checking? No, that's hockey. Don't you watch curling? No. You, don't want... you didn't watch the Olympics? No. That's super lame. Curling is awesome. The best part about curling, let me tell you this, in the curling, like along the along the side of the wall, yeah, it's basically just a wall of beer. A wall of beer, beer, because it's kind of like it's like a drinking club. Like you drink and then you go curl and you go. Back. You don't you don't drink out on the ice, but you right. But it's basically just a gigantic refrigerator. So basically, you're so they store the beer, they store the next, beer on next the ice. to the well, not on the ice, but just next to it because it's wow. a cold room. So as you're sitting there, you're like you're looking at your reward for what after you've curled for a couple hours, which is, by the way, far more strenuous than anybody who jokes about it will ever get. Like I am sore in every way today. 
because it was a it was in essence a full body workout depending on which wow. role you're doing the sweeping those brooms I, I, i'm not actually kidding when i say this it's like it's really hard like my heart rate was as high as it is when i work out in the morning wow i would not have thought no and it's really hard to do my knees are killing me because i was down on the ground again making it sound very unpleasant it was actually a ton of fun huh so See, i think of curling as like the bowling of canada well, I mean, it might be, but it's more strenuous than bowling. Wow. By a long margin. But there's still beer. And there's still beer. So, um, all in all, it it's good. It's Not good. this year, apparently, but, you know. Well, sounds cool. Yeah. Well. Do, do, do you have something, like, not? <laughs> I have a non-curling-related case to talk about. Is it a Purim case? It is also a non-Purim case. And I'm going to go with not a soccer case. Um, there is no soccer involved. Okay. Well, but we'll it, just, it does nothing's perfect. We'll just, have, we'll just run with it. It does have gruesome, gory details, death threats, um, burning people alive. Okay. So, and the harvesting of organs. Oh, so does this need a little disclaimer? <laughs> um, this is the case of Barry Tall, the Nagel A. Banks, Industries Inc., which sounds really boring, but it's going to be good. So, this has to do with the Alabama Organ Center. It is okay. it is where organs go when they are donated. So, if you know you check the little box on your driver's license form that says "I want to become an organ donor," and you have the misfortune of snuffing it in the state of Alabama, your organs will go to the Alabama Organ Center. Okay, and that's where Barry Tall worked. Barry Tall. Barry Tall. Barry, like 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 a raspberry or Barry. Barry. B a r r y. Oh, see, I I call that Barry. Yeah, you've that's got your, that. That's one of your organs. Yeah, no, that's one. On. No, that's an Oregon thing. Like, no. ba- if it's an A, it's ah. Barry. I, Bar- I, it's Barry, not yeah, Barry. That's what I'm. Whatever. Barry is something that grows. Mister uh, Tall. Mister Tall. Which is T a u l, like Saul, but Tall. You're gonna <laughs> you're gonna pronounce that differently as well. No, I call it Tall. Tall. Okay. Barry. Ba- uh, Barry. 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 It's Barry. Barry. Yeah, well, just, just just go okay. just go with it. <laughs> so the part of the Alabama Organ Center that Mr. Tall worked in was called the Gift of Body Program or GOB. But because I happen to be an arrested development fan, yeah, I was fan, like it's Job, Job. So <laughs> we both are arrested development fans. Barry worked in the Job. And what, sorry, what did GOB stand for again? Gift, Gift of Body, Gift. Of body program or Job. Job. Okay. So what happens if you snuff it in Alabama and you're going to give some some organs? Your whole body goes to the Job. Okay. They pull out the stuff they're going to keep and they burn the rest. Okay. So. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> Mr. Dennis can't get through this. I'm just going to point out without, without like giggling and cracking up. He's doing his best. This is going to be hard. Mr. Tall's job was to run the crematorium aspect of this. So he didn't harvest the organs. He took the post harvesting body and cremated it. Well, while he was doing his job, he uncovered that 
for a period of about eight years, the guy who ran this whole program, a guy named Jed Nagel, was making illegal kickback payments to another agency to get referrals to people to donate their organs and bodies to the Job. So basically, so, it's, it's, so they're just trying to get more people to be organ donors, well, or, or or to like put in their there, wills that if actually if, competition amongst the different places that can do this, and he was trying to get more business to go to him instead of out of state. But apparently, you can't harvest. You can't try to do that using kickbacks or you, anything you like can't that. Do that's, kickbacks that's because a, a lot thing. of this is done with government money. And Got all it. of it is highly regulated by the anti-kickback laws. Yes. So, so the wrong way to be <laughs> competitive. Yeah. Anyway, our friend Mr. Tall uncovers this illegal kickback scheme. He found that these guys would get together and cook the books for the Alabama Organ Center. And sometimes people are actually, like, disqualified from being an organ donor. But the Alabama Organ Center would go ahead and put them on the books as though they were a donor. And then charge the government for harvesting Right, so fraudulent charges for for people who otherwise shouldn't qualify. the The federal government really frowns upon making false claims to the government. And they actually have a couple laws about that. One's called the False Claims Act. I've heard of it. The other's called the Anti-Kickback Statute. Here's the problem. If you become a whistleblower and actually rat somebody out to the government for violating either of those laws, you get all kinds of whistleblower protections. Sure. And there's something called a key TAM lawsuit that the government will file, and they will actually pay you money for having blown the whistle. Right. Uh, Q-U-I TAM. Right. Q-U-I TAM. Latin. Right. But it's pronounced key. I've always been quite him, but quite him again. Pronunciation. Go, go with Kia. I'm not going to fight you on that one. Yeah. Okay, Barry. Um. (laughs) (laughs) Femla. So, God, this is so great. So there was an incident in June of 2009 when Tall was sent from the Birmingham, Alabama location to deliver cremains to a nursing home in. Columbiana, Alabama. He went away, came back in, and when he entered the building, nobody heard him come in because it's a crematory and it's really loud. Oh. Which I didn't realize, but crematories are I guess, run with I guess loud I machinery. Yeah. Walked into the front of the building, heard a bunch of voices talking, voices he didn't recognize. He thought maybe it was a grieving family, didn't want to barge in. But as he got closer, he recognized the voices of being all of these people that he thought were involved in this kickback scheme. And he overheard them talking about how they were running this thing. So he's like hiding somewhere? Yeah, he's like sneaking up on them as they talked. The image in my mind is he's like, this is not the most pleasant room <laughs> and like well they have an office I okay mean, it's not it's an office space it's that they're an in. office okay. in this whole thing and i mean yeah they're running a crematorium but you know they probably have like plants in the office and it's not he's hiding behind know. the plant instead of he's behind, a, behind a corpse a or something like that 
So he hears Nagel telling his associates who are part of this kickback scheme that if they want to continue to get their 10%, that they're going to have to pad the bill a little bit more, padding it so he can pass it along to the government. Well, then they all spot Paul. Oh. He comes out from behind the plants. And Nagel, you know, they all seem really shocked. The other guys leave, and then Nagel remains behind to talk about to Tall and says, Look, you know, sometimes it takes a little grease on some palms to make money. He explained to Nagel and came clean to Nagel the whole kickback scheme. To Tall, you mean? Right. Nagel. Nagel confesses to Tall. To Tall, yes. But here's where it gets good. Oh, it's still not good yet. So it turns out Nagel is a very large man. Oh. Tall is not. Tall's not very tall, but Nagel's tall and he's big. And Nagel says to Tall, if you ever tell anybody about my fraud and kickback scheme, I will cremate you alive and no one will ever find your remains. Which when you think about it, is an entirely credible threat because of where they are. And the relative sizes and yeah, all of that. He's going to pick him up and like throw, throw him, him, burn him alive. <laughs> he then... Yes. This is just a classy, he then says, classy operation. Oh, and then he uses the classic phrase, I know where you live. Oh, well. Well, yeah. He also knows where Tall's parents lived. And said, he will torture Tall's parents but and then kill them, but only after torturing them. And Tall says, after all of this, he became super abusive and made his everyday work environment a living hell. Began. See, now I thought you were going to tell me that he tried to cut him in, and that was the way he was going to try to keep no. him quiet. No, he's going the completely opposite way. He's going the opposite way, and it gets worse. So for the next couple of years, Nagel would slap Tall with his open hand, just smack him across the face. One time he threw an open embalming fluid bottle at Tall, resulting in embalming fluid spilling all over him. And apparently it's, um, you know, embalming fluid is unpleasant. It's, it's a hazardous chemical. This is, again, guys, I apologize for what I'm going to read, but I have to read it. Nagel would throw feces from deceased individuals at what? <laughs> you got I wish you could see Mark's face. What? At the same time he once took a full catheter can I, bag can I, can I, from I, a deceased person no, and emptied no, it on Paul's back. No. No, can I can I just make a point here? We've talked a lot about constructive discharge on this podcast. Yeah. If if he were to leave and say my working conditions were so intolerable, and we've talked a lot about how hard a standard that is to meet. Dumping we have our case. People's we have our constructive discharge case where we all agree. Yep. <laughs> this is, in fact, constructive discharge. When you but yet he still stayed. You smack somebody. You throw embalming fluid on them. Oh, you, my you gosh. You a full catheter bag from a deceased person. And then you dump a deceased person's feces on somebody. Dennis. Oh, my God. Where did he find this case? I think Dennis was on the dark web. It is not on the dark web. <laughs> this is um, it's a circuit court case. We're going to post a link on the show notes. As what many people who are su- 
experiencing this kind of a workplace will do. Mr. Tall decided to look for another job. Yeah, you think? (laughs) And he found one at the Valhalla Funeral Home in Midfield, Alabama. I just find the name interesting because Uh it's where Vikings go when they die. There's a good Viking population in Alabama. Once he got out of the job, Tall called up the government and explained all of this to the FBI. Shortly after he had a conversation with the FBI, he received in the mail a plain card addressed to him at the Valhalla Funeral Home in Midfield, Alabama. This plain card on the back side of it that doesn't have his address, it simply says, he knows it was you. No! Right after that, just a couple months later, the Valhalla Funeral Home received an anonymous letter stating that Tall was a thief. And shortly after that, he was fired from the Valhalla Funeral Home. And he tried to find another job. The arms of Nagel go far. They go far and deep. After that, he could not get a job in the funeral business in Alabama to save his life, despite having worked there for over 20 years. It took him a long time, over a year, but he finally found another job in a funeral home in Jasper, Alabama, where he was performing their cremations. And at one point, somebody from his old place, Nagel's place, came to Jasper, Alabama to pick up a body to cremate. The employee of Nagel saw him and asked, Hey, are you working at the funeral home? Shortly thereafter, Tall was fired from that funeral home. So Tall related all of this to the FBI. Thus began the Kui Ki, whatever you call it, Tam Kwai Tam case, where Tall sued Nagel and all of his business operations. Basically was... Tell me he won. Well, where we have this is Nagel moved for summary judgment, trying to get all of his claims thrown out for various reasons, and those were, of course, denied. Okay. But because this was a summary judgment case, I'm not really sure what's going to happen in the end. So this is a recent news story? Yeah. I see. So it's so, still ongoing. Yeah, it's it's still ongoing. Know, has he found another job? Is the is this like mafioso network of mortuaries like keeping him still unemployed? We don't know. There's well, a lot there's a lot going on here and there's a lot to unpack. That's a crazy story, certainly one ripe for more updates as as things develop. Yeah. And I'm just trying to think of all the employment issues and <laughs> that would be a good like law school exam in terms of you know, I mean it's it's a relatively simple case, but like all of the things that they did wrong that you should not do. So the court ended up they dismissed some of his case as being untimely, but a lot of a lot of it stood. This all came down last year. The case is still ongoing. There's a there's a lot of stuff here. But there there's a few things that we can sort of take away from this case. Yeah. One, don't throw dead people's feces in the workplace. <laughs> that's like that's like one of those lessons that you know, I talk a lot about policies. You don't need to have a policy for everything. Right. Yeah. And that's not one I'd ever heard before. You don't need to have that as like a key takeaway, except in this case, apparently you do. Don't empty deceased people's catheter bags onto your employees. Yeah, no, that's just 
And, and don't threaten your employees with cremation. No, nor should you threaten their parents with torture. Nor should you call up their subsequent employers and interfere with their jobs there. No, you probably shouldn't do that. And above all else, don't in, don't get engaged in illegal kickback schemes. Yeah, well, right. Don't do that in the first place. That's what kind of kicked the whole thing off. Right. Unfortunately for Barry, who's unwittingly stumbles into all of it. Yeah. Poor Barry. Can you imagine? He seems like seems like a good guy for putting up with it. I mean, I don't know that I could have. I would have. I don't know what I would have done, but I probably would have reported it earlier and not suffered that for two more years. Yeah. I mean, I have had some crappy jobs, but nobody has thrown the feces of dead people at me. Thank you for the image. Yeah. Um, you're, you're welcome. It's horrifying. It this is, case is horrifying. It is truly horrifying. We don't get to say that very often, but... And you were right. I mean, constructive discharge all the way. Except that he stayed. Well, no, he eventually... He did, did eventually leave, but he would have had just a plain old constructive discharge claim there, even without all the totally. other illegal totally, totally, activity totally. going on. I mean, that... Yeah. If ever there was a set of facts, yeah. that's it. Yeah. Well... Um, Cool case. I mean, not so cool case, but fascinating case. Lots of examples of what not to do. Yeah. Lots of examples of how to get in trouble if you're stupid enough to do those things. Yeah, when the FBI is investigating you, you're going to have a bad day. Yeah. So, on that cheery note, and with those mental images, I think we should probably take a break. And we'll be right back. We're back. And Mark's got a story for us. I do. So this is this is a news story uh, that came out a couple of weeks ago, and it takes place in Boston. You ever ride the T in Boston? I've actually never been to Boston. Really? Really. All right. Well, the T the is Boston's public transportation. Uh, the MBTA, the Massachusetts Bay Transportation Authority, is... Is the T subway? It's subway, trolleys, above-ground Below oh, ground a little bit, all, yeah. It's a little bit. It's a little bit of everything. Oh, okay. Um, so, uh, MBTA Transit Police uh, responded to the Cedar Grove station uh, in the Boston neighborhood of Dorchester on October third, October thirtieth, two thousand sixteen, after a man allegedly attacked Thomas Lucy. Lucy was the trolley operator. Oh wow. And the man did so while wearing a Michael Myers-style Halloween mask and carrying a plastic pumpkin. Oh, wow. Now, I know who Michael Myers is, but in case not everyone does, he was the bad guy in the movie Halloween, Halloween. with, um, what, what, what's the actress's name? Oh, dude, that's testing oh, me. Oh, oh, she was in, um, she was in Trading Places with... Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis. Jamie Lee Curtis. Oh, Thank you, yeah. I had to pull that out of nowhere. Thank you. Um, all right. So he gets dragged um, from the, the, the train, and the man in the mask with the pumpkin uh, punched him repeatedly. So he's got, like, a pumpkin... Like for his Halloween candy? It doesn't describe the pumpkin. It just says it's pl- plastic, plastic pumpkin. pumpkin. I'm um, thinking it's like my kids have those. Right, like, like a- that you carry it around to put your candy in. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I'm just trying to picture the image. Like I'm sitting there on the tee and I'm on, you know, the 
trolley stops, guy comes on, dressed with a Mike Myers mask and a plastic pumpkin, and starts wailing on the driver. Not cool. <laughs> no, no. Did this actually take place on Halloween? It was on October 30th. Oh, so the day the before, day before Halloween. Halloween. The guy kind of jumped the gun. Right? I mean... If I'm going to do that, I do it on Halloween. Yeah, like... I'll fit in better. You're going to get to beat a trolley driver. Just just wait a day. (laughs) Right? Can you just hold on? Yeah. Um, All right. So, so Lucy is not feeling so hot after this, Mr. Lucy, and files paperwork to begin collecting uh, workers' comp. Right. Uh, On the job injury. For an on-job injury and long-term disability insurance. Um. And claimed to have post-traumatic stress disorder. I, I can see that. So the police, of course, did their job and they collected fingerprints. Oh. And they were able to identify the assailant. How, where, where were the fingerprints? Uh, presumably on the front of the trolley. It doesn't say in the article here, but presumably they were able to lift fingerprints. Uh, oh, maybe on the pumpkin, too. Was the pumpkin left behind? It was. It was. Oh, oh it was. Okay. It, there it says it was collected. Uh, it was. Oh, sorry, it doesn't say anything about the fingerprints, but it was left behind at the scene. Oh, so I'm, that. Sorry, I, I. You know, I'm going through this. It's a little out of order here yeah, no, as no, I'm no, reading it. Um, so, so yeah, uh, they they met. That connection makes a lot of sense to me. Um, so, they find the assailant, and the assailant tells police that Mr. Lucy paid him two thousand dollars to stage the attack. What? And they pulled bank and phone records that corroborated the man's oh my statements. God, you're kidding and it me. showed that they had talked before and after the assault. So the trolley driver paid Michael Myers to come and beat him on Halloween or the day before Halloween. Again, maybe maybe now that we know this, maybe Mr. Lucy wasn't on duty on Halloween. Oh, yeah. Maybe, and maybe he was off that day. Maybe he was off that day. Hard to say. But. Uh, yeah, so he, he, I don't know, it, I'm curious if, if Mr. Lucy was, it, was it his idea to have all the Halloween references or was it? Wow. Um, so, uh, Suffolk County Grand Jury, uh, a couple weeks ago returned indictments charging him with two counts of insurance fraud and single counts of workers' comp fraud, uh, and misleading a police investigation and for perjury. Wow. Uh, he's due to be arraigned, I believe, here on March 20th in Boston Suffolk County Superior Court. Um, not surprisingly, his attorney could not be immediately reached for comment. Shocking. That's that's. Um... So that's a story we'll follow. But I just thought it was Yowza. a fun interlude for a fun episode. Um, it's, it's a it's a very crime themed episode. Crime themed episode. Um, so. What should our listeners do if they suspect that one of their employees is committing a little workers' comp fraud? Well, I think you got to be a bit careful about it. Yeah, I think you do. Right? Like, like we've talked a little bit before about, like, uh, same thing with, with FEMLA or FMLA fraud. Yeah. Um, you, you, you just you want to be careful with how you scope somebody out and start investigating them. And I, I would urge caution. Now, if you have real objective evidence yeah. that somebody's defrauding you absolutely go after it and with workers comp fraud this one's a whole lot easier because you take whatever your suspicions your evidence what have you you turn it over to your workers comp carrier you don't need to investigate that one yourself you just say like look you know i I think mark is faking but i wouldn't go here's why i wouldn't spend a ton of my time going out there and trying to collect that evidence no right but if it falls in your lap yeah 
The other lesson from this one, if you're going to beat a, pu- a trolley driver, take your pumpkin with you when you're right. done. Right, don't leave your fingerprints there. No, you know, wear gloves. If you're going to beat somebody, wear gloves. Yeah, I mean, that's always, always good, good advice. advice. Thank you, Dennis. Yeah. All right. On that note, let's um, let's hit the uh, pause button and give you time to dig out one of our many great listener-submitted stories. Okay, sounds good. Be right back, folks. Hi, Dennis. Hey. <laughs> that was Long super. See. That was that was really awkward. Yeah. Well. We're, we're great podcast. at transitions. We, so we have figured this out. Yeah, it's so, okay. We'll, we'll edit all of this. It will seem seamless. Yeah, no, we're just going to let it go. Yeah. Um, I'm just telling you that so you'll feel slightly better until you Oh, I feel great episode. about it. I feel oh, great about it. Cool. Why don't you tell us a story? <laughs> all right. So do you remember, I, it's been a couple of months, I think, but we, we had an episode where we talked a bit about BO. Yes, I do remember that. And we also talked about pumping gas in Oregon. Was it the same episode? I think it might have been the same episode. I actually don't remember off the top of my head. Yeah, whatevs. Well, we have a listener submission that actually has two very short stories related to each of those things. Oh, they must have listened to that episode. They must have. Inspired. Yes. Actually, that's that's how it starts out. You guys are killing me today with your BO and gas station drama. So, And she says, my coworkers likely think I'm a mental patient as I sit here snickering to myself. We are glad that we can give that appearance. Yes. Yeah. So, story one, a trail of B.O. <laughs> I like I like that she titled them. It's like the trail of tears. Right. Stank. Does it end in Oklahoma? No, it ends right here. Oh, okay. Um, in Portland. I used to work at a company in Portland with a fairly large population spread out over as many as seven floors in an office building. Wow. For a few years, there was a young man working in the mailroom who had a terrible B.O. issue. We're talking a smell that could make eyes water and jaws drop in disbelief. Oh, wow. We could tell where he had been by the smell he would leave behind. Nearly an hour could pass since he had been by, and there would still be B.O. lingering in the air. In addition to his B.O., he would sit at his desk eating candy, chips, etc., and chugging cherry cola, giving him what we affectionately called death breath. Oh, my God. He believed chewing bubblegum was a valid alternative to brushing his teeth. What, it's not? Indeed. Uh, Indeed, it's not. Uh, You could see people physically recoil when conversing with him, especially since he was a known close talker, kind of like you, Dennis. Oh, my God. Uh, he had the super cheesy t-shirt from a 1980s cartoon show that everyone loved. He offered to raffle off, raffle it off to raise money for charity, but the fundraising committee quickly but politely shut him down. <laughs> he was really nice, albeit awkward. He could have washed uh, it first. Just trying to make ends meet for his family, but a- people actively avoided him because of his odors. I'm told he was talked to multiple times about hygiene concerns, but people felt bad for his circumstances, and they did not pursue any further actions. Wow. So. <sighs> Ouch. I mean, it's, it's hard, right, it's to hard. have that conversation with somebody. That's a terrible, and, terrible conversation. Right. And I, I kind of get the avoidance of it, but also, like, there comes a point where you got to do – I mean – you you got to go further than that. If at, if it's at some that point, bad, it become you know, 
it's not like throwing deceased people's feces, but at some point, if somebody stinks so bad and you have to work with them, it be, it's a know, problem for everybody. It's yeah, it's a problem for especially everybody. if that person works in the mailroom and they're literally literally everywhere. walking by every single everywhere. person in the company all day. You know, I I worked somewhere once where we had a similar issue, but it was with someone's cologne. And it was with a very sort of type A alpha male kind of guy. And we we all just sort of remarked that he was marking his territory. (laughs) And it was the same deal. You could smell where he had been. Yeah. Like if you went into somebody's office and you smelled his cologne, you knew he had been in there. I mean, it's one thing if if somebody's got some perfume or cologne and like you can tell that somebody who was wearing that had been in the elevator. Right, that's a place where the smell tends to linger. Right, but like it's there's, another there's thing no if it if if in like a well ventilated part of the company or, or the office, like that you can still tell an hour later. Yeah, that's not good. You know the worst thing ever, which happened to me a while ago. It's worse than worse than the mortuary story uh, we just it's had. It's not as bad as the mortuary. Okay, story. just so just, it's just not the worst thing. Ever. Just, just just trying to put this on on a level here. That's true. If the mortuary is that's is kind a 10, of the top of my list. Is that's a ten? If that's a ten, this is probably a four. But what I really hate, and it's happened to me a couple times, you get on the elevator in the office building, and it's empty, but you know the last person on there passed gas or is a smoker. No, I'm going with past gas. You're going past gas. Like, I can tell when a smoker's been on the elevator also. What always happens whenever you get on the fart-filled elevator. And then somebody else will come on. Then somebody else will come on and look at you and go, you cretin. And you kind of want to, you kind of want to acknowledge, not me. Right. But you could just as easily have said that if it was you. Exactly. So you're screwed no matter what. I would just say, I'm just going to leave it to you to determine whether that was me or not. It could have been the person before me or it could have been me. Now, this if it's bothering you that much. And I was like, sorry, this was not me. It was here when I got here. And what did they say? Did they, they, did they, they look, they, did they, they like they, put they, their glasses down on the bridge of their nose and go like, uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah. So. Yeah, I'm sure it wasn't you. Yeah. I hate those people. Sorry. And yet here we are. An episode later, and we have another fart discussion. It's not a fart fart joke. joke. No, I know, but we've managed to avoid this for a long time, and now it's twice in a row. All right. Um, Second story. Uh, You recall we talked previously about pumping your own gas in Oregon, that it's illegal here. And how we can't, because it's Um, like a mortal sin. As Oregon and New Jersey. Felony offense to pump your own gas. Right. So um, this story is titled, They Know Gasoline is Flammable, Right? Um, Uh, I don't like where this is going. I wish I was allowed to pump my own gas. I grew up in a state that allowed drivers to choose between a self-service island or a full-service island. Communism. Right. Uh, Though I don't think that there's too many of those anywhere anymore where it's like you have that choice. Maybe a few, but not very many. But growing up, there were still plenty of those around. Uh, We rarely used the full-service island, but when the weather sucked, it was full-service all the way. My favorite gas station moments here in Oregon come when I'm sitting in my car waiting for the attendant to finish his smoke break, which he takes standing right next to the giant no-smoking-and-explosion-warning signs. I find the fastest way to get them to stop smoking and to come over and to get out of uh, is Oh, sorry. The f- best way to get them to stop smoking and to get them to come over, right? Because one of the things that I'll just, in, I'll just stop here for a second. One of the things yeah. that bugs me the most, I think we talked about this before. I could get there 
And because I have to wait, I just have to wait. Yeah. And it might be 10 minutes. It might be 20 minutes. Like Getting I've waited forever. Twice, three times as long in Oregon as it does anywhere right. else. But there is a way, and she has figured it out, to get them to come faster. Honk? No, no, because they'll just ignore that. They don't care about yeah, that. Yeah, that's true. Right? The fastest way to get them to stop, stop smoking to come over is to get out of my car and walk toward the pump. Oh, clever. That way they come running over. And you would think I'm having a Zoolander-esque gasoline fight, which I believe we put in the we, show we, notes we, of that prior did, episode yeah. with the, the uh, image of them kind of spraying gasoline yes. all over each because other. Because that's what um, happens. Because that's what happens when that you let regular people pump yeah. their own gas, apparently. Uh, I'll admit, sometimes I'm legitimately waiting for them to finish uh, their potentially explosive smoke break when I get out of my car. But sometimes I'm just having... a uh, bad day four <laughs> letters out of here a bad day uh and want to exercise a little god complex nice so we appreciate that story i might have to take that up as advice if i'm ever getting particularly annoyed at waiting um i'll just get out and start acting like i'm about to start pumping my own gas and maybe that will get them to my car faster as they come to like threaten you with bodily harm because you're pumping your own gas right which happened to me once they threatened you with bodily harm? Yeah. they. So I was in Tillamook, Oregon, which is out on the Oregon coast. They began pumping my own gas, meaning they, you know, put the, the nozzle in. The, the attendant started. The attendant started put, pumping and then, my own gas. And then it just didn't go. He, he put. Did the thing where the it automatically. Where it, you know, automatic shuts off, you know. And then he walked away and but disappeared. It didn't take. Now. I have been told, and I've not done the legal research, but I have been told that it is lawful to remove the nozzle You just yourself. can't put it you in. You just can't put it in. So when he was completely AWOL, I went out and removed the nozzle and hung it back up, put my gas cap back on, and was in the process of finishing this operation and going away when the attendant emerged from wherever he was and just starts screaming at me. Like, this is Oregon. You can't pump your own gas. I'm going to kick your ass. Bye. And starts running at me. I'm just like, nope, screw this. Get in the car, drive off. Will not wow. buy gas in Tillamook, Oregon again. <laughs> anywhere. I will, I, will, anywhere. I, will, I, will, I will hitchhike to Seaside and wow. come back with a can of gas before I get gas in that town again. Wow. That's that's a grudge. It's a grudge. Grudge, you know. yeah. Remind me not to piss you off. Yeah. So if anybody else has particularly interesting stories. Or grudges. Or grudges. Employment-related grudges would be best. Or just and grudges. And you want us to know about them and read about them or or crimes that you may have committed and you want us to know about them or but, but we will not share your name on the on, on the on the right podcast. well and a lot of those things have statutes of limitation too. yeah i mean if you've committed a crime and it's now safe to confess because of statutes of limitation but an employment related one Preferably. Would be best. Yeah. Send them to us. Stories at hwepodcast.com. That would be awesome. It would be so awesome. And you too can have your story uh, read onto the podcast yeah. and we'll snark about it. We'll now, if your crime resulted in you getting money that now makes you feel guilty, 
One way to ease your guilt would be to go to www.patreon.com slash HWE and become a hostile work environment Patreon. And launder it. And launder that money. (laughs) It's actually not really... It's kind it's of not, not really laundering, laundering but because it's we're not going to give it back to you, right? But it's but it's but yeah. It will it will it would be us accepting stolen funds. We're okay with that. We're we lawyers. Are. We have very little, you know, morality. But for you <laughs> who are feeling guilty and just really don't want that on your conscience, give it to us. We we accept your your stolen lucre. Sure, why not? Yeah. Um. You can find us on Twitter. Yep. At HWE Podcast and on Facebook. We have the Hostile Work Environment page. We do. Uh, interact with us on social media. Ask us questions. Yep. Uh, tell us what you think. Leave us a review. We haven't said this for a while. Leave yeah, us a leave review us a on review. iTunes. It helps like, people find us. We had a whole bunch, and now it just it feels very lonely there. It, yeah, I, it's like pulling like, teeth to get people to do that. I actually understand why. It takes. It's an effort. All you need to, to do, do. Is, is go onto your phone that you're probably listening to this to on any way and just hit like the five star thing yeah and if you want to say something nice do that too and you could probably even like yell at siri and have siri leave the review it's that easy totally agree so go do it people yeah please um where do people (laughs) find us on myspace um (laughs) they don't okay um Um, friendster oh friendster you remember friendster i I was never a friend on Friendster. Oh, I, I was. That was the big deal back before Facebook. Yeah. Yeah. No, um, I, I didn't do Friendster. CompuServe. How do they find us on CompuServe? I don't know. What about AOL Online? Prodigy. Prodigy. Ooh, yeah. Those were the big three back in the 90s. Yeah, I had Prodigy on my K-Pro. Did you? I had I had Prodigy. Remember? I, so, our listeners going to think I'm totally nuts, but I still remember 20 years later my user ID for Prodigy. Wow. JNDC58C. Wow. It's like right there. That's amazing. And I don't know why that burned into my brain. I really wish I could forget it and free up some space for something else. Did you get on Prodigy using the modem where you would like take your phone receiver off of the phone and no. put it on the modem. No, we had a phone. It actually a, a modem that actually went through the phone line. So I never had to take the phone off the hook and put it down on on the receiver. But wow. we did do dial up. Ooh, yeah. Um, With the little noise and squee and uh, I, yeah, I missed that. I kind of missed that too. It was always so satisfying when you heard that. Right, like you knew you knew two computers were talking to each yeah. other. Anyway. Um, now that we've taken that unexpected far, yeah. right turn into into the our, past, our millennial listeners are like, "What the hell are they talking what about?" Are they talking about K Pro. Anyway, thanks for listening, and we'll be back in a week with more mindless prattle about old stuff. You're such a salesman. I am. All right. Bye. Bye. Yes, I'm sorry, I do not speak English, okay. But you were just talking to- Yes, yes, hot dog, hot dog, yes sir, no sir, maybe, okay.